Welcome back for season four of Coding Life. Super, super excited for this upcoming season. Um, this season pretty unique. Well, we're gonna break this season up uh, kind of into two series. And so the first half of the season uh, is gonna cover some of the video interviews that we did at the Next Step Dev Conference. Uh, if you didn't attend the Next Step Dev Conference, uh, Next Step Dev Conference was an idea that I put together uh, pretty much like in a week and a half. And so it was a three-day conference with a focus on uh, day one was focused around how to get started into engineering. And, you know, what does that look like? Day two was focused around if you're already in engineering, how do you uh, scale up and skill up? And then day three was focused around the engineer who maybe wants to transition into entrepreneurship. And so with that conference, we had um, sensational speakers. We had speakers uh, from Twitch. We had engineers uh, from Google. We had engineers from Lyft, engineers from all across the board. And so these first couple episodes you're going to see are going to be the replays um, from that. And then we're going to transition into our regular schedule program uh, with uh, interviews from other engineers across the world. So uh, excited for you to be here. Excited for you to tune into season four. Strap up, um, listen in, share with your friends, and here we go. Here we go for episode one. Um, you know, usually people decide to leave companies for a various of reasons. Um, you know, some people live because of the culture. Some people leave because of pay. Um, but on this episode, we got a pretty unique story uh, introducing Ryan Barner. Uh, Ryan has a unique journey on initially joining Lyft as an analyst and then later on deciding to leave Lyft uh, to go sharpen her skills via coding bootcamp. After completing the bootcamp, Ryan found her way back to Lyft uh, to get hired on as a software engineer. Uh, definitely take a listen on some of the struggles she encountered, uh, the hurdles she encountered along this journey as she decided to initially to come back to Lyft as an engineer. Here we go. We are back. Um, so here we go. Um, everyone, I would like to, it's my pleasure uh, to welcome Ryan to the stage. Um, Ryan is, once again, like I said, she is a uh, software engineer um, over at Lyft. Um, Ryan, how you doing? Hey, I'm well. I'm great. I'm great. Uh, you know, super excited for you to be here. I'm super excited for... Um, everyone to hear your story. Um, and so, uh, so Ryan, let's, 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 let's start from the top. Uh, where, where are you from? Specifically Carson. If anyone knows where Carson is. Nope. Yeah. I see we got some LA folks and stuff that was in here. Um, you know, shout out to the, all the LA people. Um, so, um, so Ryan kind of starting at the top. So you went to, you was, um, with the uh, high school and everything in LA as well. I did. Yep. Born and raised. I've been in 
LA, I guess my family has been in LA since mm -hmm. the 60s. Oh, wow. So both sides too, mom and dad's side. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. And Go so, Dodgers. Um, Go Dodgers. <laughs> that's, that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, so let's start in. So in high school, were you uh, at all interested or any doing anything, um, you know, CS related, um, you know, anything coding, anything when you was in high school? Sure. Um, not really. The or actually, I take that back. I was so interested in making sure that my MySpace page was perfect. <laughs> so when it came to HTML, <laughs> that was my favorite part of just being on the computer, like customizing my HTML, uh, MySpace page, and didn't know that that was coding. Mm. Gotcha. So uh, as you're transitioning, going from, you know, well, yeah, I, th I think uh, I think most of us kind of had that experience and stuff. And we didn't even know that was actually uh, a, a piece of the coding world. Um, what about college? Uh, did you were you in CS or anything in college? Uh, I when I got to college, I got in as an English major, but didn't do any research on like any of the majors or what I would do afterwards. I just figured, okay, I scored the highest in English on my uh, SAT and ACT. Maybe I'll be good in that. Mm -hmm. uh, but when I started, before classes started, I said, you know what? I've got to pick a major that I actually am really interested in. And no diss to any, you know, English majors. English is a great <laughs> major. Uh, but... I was like, okay, what do I like to do? I love updating my MySpace page. I think that that's pretty cool. I think that that is, you know, has something to do with computers and engineers. Mm -hmm. I respect engineers, you know, let me try this out. Um, but when I got into my classes, because I had no background, uh, hadn't taken a computer science class, I just immediately felt like an imposter, like I wasn't going to do well. And I ended up dropping the major for uh, econ. Hmm. Okay. So it's funny that you mentioned, you know, imposter syndrome in a different field. So when did, when did the interest start? Um, when did it start in college? Did it start um, maybe, you know, you was working somewhere else? Like when did the interest start that you really start to believe that you could become an engineer? Sure. Um, well, for my econ class, um, once I got into econ, I said, you know, maybe I won't be an uh, engineer, won't be a computer science major, uh, but maybe, you know, after graduation, I can maybe work my way up and uh, learn on the job or something like that. And um, so in, in econ, one of the classes that I had to take for my major was like a... Um, like a web development. It was very basic. I think we went over HTML, basically things that I did with MySpace, but just more academic. Mm -hmm. And in that class, um, I knew like, this is exactly where I should be. Like, I'm really enjoying this. I did well in the class. That was one of the only classes that like, um, you know, that I, I felt very excited to go to. And at that point, I was like, yeah, I, I need to figure out how I can make this 
a full-time thing. Okay. So uh, from that aha moment, what was the next steps for you? Um, you know, where, where did you go from there? Great question. Um, it was a long journey uh, to becoming a software engineer, but once I had that aha moment, um, I said, okay, well, I'm an econ major right now. How can I best get into tech? Well, maybe I can get a job that mixes um, business and tech. So I was a, a business law minor as well and had a legal externship with the U.S. Attorney's Office. And I scoped out um, just anything with their like um, like tech legal department and, you know, asked if I could help out over there. There was nothing um, or there was something, but I wasn't that was not the project that I was assigned to. But I did get to um, help some of the U.S. attorneys like analyze Tumblr and Facebook pages um, and basically explain um, what maybe a, a defendant or somebody that they were prosecuting was saying by, you know, trying to explain what a wall was, what a timeline was. And, um, you know, after I graduated, I thought I was going to go into consulting, you know, kind of in line with uh, what a lot of other econ and business majors did. And, you know, went out for this business consulting position, didn't get it. My application stayed within their kind of system and um, they had reached out for a position in e-discovery. I had never heard of e-discovery before, uh, but they liked my application because I had a business law minor with some, um, you know, analytical skills with econ and um, tried it out. You know, it was a good company. I was, I was looking for a job after school, figured why not? I'll try it out. E-discovery for those uh, who are may not be familiar, it's basically the most high tech portion of a legal case. So basically, when two companies sue each other, there's a point where the judge um, starts a discovery period. And this is when both sides gather all their electronic um, evidence. So basically, I was um, consulting clients on how best to harvest emails and different data and uh, kind of like forensic accounting and um, doing that for some time in New York. Question. So and we're going to come back to this, but I want to fast forward a little bit. Uh, that sounds very similar uh, just in principle to data scientists. Why mm -hmm. software engineer and not the uh, data scientist role? Sure. So, yeah, it was a lot of data harvesting, data collection. Um, some of my colleagues were even working with SQL. And I think that was the first time I had heard of SQL. Um, and I also later learned that some of my uh, colleagues were um, software engineering in Python. And that was the first time I think I had heard of the word software engineer or heard of anyone like coding um, at my job. So I thought, okay, you know, maybe I should follow along um, and be curious to see like how I can help out or see what they're doing. Um, it just felt like I was on this hunt 
and I was like a dog. I could smell something and I was, you know, getting close to the bone in a sense. Okay. So take us through the steps of getting to live. Um, because you got to live when you originally was in the lift, it wasn't to become a software engineer, correct? Right. Okay. So take us to the steps of how you got there. Sure. So, um, so yeah, kind of on this journey to get closer to tech, um, I was in New York at the time. I figured, well, if I want to, um, to really dedicate myself to uh, becoming more high tech, I guess I've got to go to where they're hiring and where um, th- the best place for me to be, to be in the right place at the right time for a role like that. I was like, I got to go to the Bay area. I got to go to Silicon Valley. That's not necessarily true. You know, there's tech everywhere and you can get involved everywhere, but that was my mindset at the time, make it easiest for me. So um, I got Deloitte to transfer me to San Francisco and was with them for about another year. And one of my colleagues uh, at Deloitte was a data analyst. He had left for Lyft. And, um, you know, I kind of hit him up like, hey, I'm trying to come to like, is there are there any positions open? What is that like? And he said, you know, just, you know, come on down for lunch um, I didn't know where that would end up or where it would go, but I brought my resume just in case. And I'm glad that I did because after lunch, um, he introduced me to his team and, um, they interviewed me like, uh, I think like an hour later and yeah. So you went in to have a sandwich and got a job. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm pretty sure that that doesn't happen today. Granted, this was 2016 Lyft. Mm-hmm. This was, you know, when we were still considered Uber's little brother. A lot of people still consider us that, but um, at the time, you know, we were we were pretty small. Um, we're at close to six thousand, if not over six thousand now. I think I joined when we were not even 900 people. Mm-hmm. So um, the finance team was really small. This was a finance role, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, role on finance was really small. They were looking for someone to handle their tax reporting. I had never done any taxes before. They didn't even have the name. Um, it wasn't even called taxes it was called city and state fees. And this, this is basically um, like making a report of how many rides we did in all of the jurisdictions that we had to report to. So, well, I think the, I think the major key out of that is that, you know, you can't prepare and just kind of like, you know, whatever happens, happens, um, you know? Um, okay. So you got hired on as an um, operation analyst. That's it. Okay. As a, or sorry, as a financial analyst. Okay. So as a financial um, analyst. Um, so how long were you in that position? I was in that position for little close to a uh, little over two years. Um, so, uh, so Ed, when you accepted that position, did you know the end goal was to get into software engineering or did that happen? Why you was in your role? 
I knew even before getting in the role that that was the end goal. I figured I'm going to weasel my way into, you know, engineering somehow. And I thought it was going to be easier than I thought. I was like, okay, well, I got the interview, you know, and I got the job, you know, maybe I'll just keep working on the side or training on the side and maybe I'll shadow an engineering project and later down the line, I'll become an engineer at some time. That was not the case. (laughs) (laughs) They hired me for, um, you know, to be, to do their tax reporting. And it was going down a, a, a pathway into tax, which was a way that I was not trying to go at all, but it was the role that they hired me for. And I felt like, okay, you know, I'm using SQL to put together these reports you know, this can't be too much different than software engineering. Um, And what started uh, as the company began preparing for uh, IPO, they had to kind of bump up their fintech, I guess, their financial, uh, basically the processes that allow payments to happen and uh, be accounted for and, um, and be reported and things like that. Finances had to be right. So they had to get the manpower of an engineering team and hence born the um, financial infra team and also the kind of department within finance called the, you know, financial data analytics. And this became, uh, this was interesting to me because it was again, getting closer to engineering and would uh, allow me to be a bit more technical and kind of build on the skills that I had with SQL. And, you know, I, I, I was really gunning for that position. I had asked to be promoted to that side so many times um, and really worked for it. It didn't come until about the one and a half year mark. Like, granted, looking back, one and a half years is not a long time. Mm-hmm. But when I was in it, fresh out of college, it felt like forever. <laughs> right. So, question: um, what, what kept you? What kept the interest there? Because um, I would make the argument um, that I, I would say it's easier for individuals to kind of become stagnant and become comfortable mm-hmm. in their position. Um, you know, in that. Um, possibly kind of like shooting for the next step. Um, so w- what kind of kept you going um, as you knew what you, your end goal was? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely like my faith and um, coming from not nothing, but coming from a position of like, well, when I went to USC, I was around people with, tons of privilege, like didn't even realize how rich people were until you have a few conversations with them or you travel off campus with them. Uh, I didn't come from that type of background. Granted, you know, I had to have some sort of privilege to get into USC. I don't deny that, Uh, but definitely not on the level that most of uh, my colleagues or my classmates uh, were on. And I just told myself, well, if I was able to graduate, if I was able to come from, you know, a school in Watts to USC to getting into Deloitte. Um, I knew that, you know, hard work was going to get me there. And that's, that's what kept me going and kept me focused. 
Okay. So in this year and a half, were you doing anything like outside of work to kind of keep that, uh, keep your preparation, preparation ready? Yes. So, um, I, when I, um, at the same time that I was like gunning for the position as a financial data analyst, I, um, became privy to coding boot camps. I think I had, uh, first heard about coding boot camps, um, back when I was in college and I figured, I think I saw, I don't even know where that video is today, but it was a video of these guys who had moved to San Francisco. They were all living in the same place in bunk beds. And they said that they, you know, had quit their jobs and were uh, coding day to day. And I thought, man, that'd be awesome. But I had a crap ton of loans. I think I graduated with like $200 to my name or something like that. And <laughs> that seemed like I can't even imagine that happening. And then, you know, once you get one job and um, another, I kind of, I put the coding boot camp thoughts in the back of my mind. Um, but, you know, as I uh, got into the financial data analyst position, I thought, okay, well, maybe I can start thinking about uh, coding bootcamp or preparing um, more on that end because it's not looking like I'm going to be transferring internally as a software engineer anytime soon. I need something that is going to really solidify to other people and myself, but really to other people to give me this shot. Um, so, yeah, I heard about the, or once I, thought, okay, maybe boot camps will be uh, in my future. I went to Udacity and I started looking up, um, you know, any free coding classes. I got to a position though, where I was like, where do I start? What do I learn? There's a million uh, languages. I was like, okay, well, let me start doing research on uh, boot camps and what they require. Uh, came across, uh, you know, did research on all coding dojo Hackbrite, Hack Reactor, App Academy. I, I know these like the back of my hand because I was just trying to map out um, costs and what it took to get in there, blah, blah, blah. Did Hack Reactor's prep course. And through that, they recommended that I, um, you know, learn. They're not recommended. They required that I knew a bit of JavaScript. So I did their um, intro course and JavaScript on the side. but. That was really hard to maintain um, during, you know, pre-IPO lift. So I think I think the interesting thing, I think Ryan, uh, I took a, a similar journey um, where I went to work at um, Uber, um, Uber Corporate um, back in Atlanta, and I went to work on a support the support team with the mindset that I was going to transition, you know, into engineering and stuff from there, and that didn't happen, and. Uh, ended up partying and went to a boot camp <clears throat> myself. Um, so, kind of knowing what you know now, uh, what would you suggest to the audience? Would you suggest for somebody still to take that route? So maybe kind of go into you know the Ubers, the Facebooks, uh, the Twitters, or whatever company may be to kind of take a lower road to look the opportunity to work their way up. Or would you say maybe trying to go full out learning in boot camp, um, you know, if, if you have the opportunity to do so? It's a great question. Um, hmm. 
I think I I'm I'm grateful that I was at Lyft before boot camp um, because it gave me the um, the like will to work a lot of hard hours or a lot of work through a lot of hard problems um, and which made you know boot camp not a breeze. But it made it, I think, easier to go through than had I not had an experience at a company. Um, you know, when you're working, you're working to keep your job and your livelihood and maintain your um, your reputation, your professional reputation. Um, whereas when you're in boot camp, there's no money tied to it, I guess. Your paycheck is not tied to it. Your livelihood is not tied to it. It should hopefully be, you should, you know, be there because you're passionate about it. So that definitely took the pressure off and allowed me to focus on, you know, I, I see what that world is like. I want to get back to that world. Let me grind it out here and, you know, soak up as much as I can so that I can, you know, take it back to work. So I'd, I'd recommend, you know, either way is fine, but it 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 it, it probably would be a, a good idea to get a sense of what working in that environment is like before you make the investment of a boot camp or something like that, because they are not cheap. <laughs> sure. Um, and we're going to talk about that um, uh, pretty soon in one of the next sessions, uh, self-learning versus boot camp. Um, and so coming, you're already at Lyft, um, you know, you, you already have a position there. Um, you transition now, correct me if I'm wrong. Did you leave Lyft to attend the bootcamp uh, full time? Were you doing it part time? I did. So I, um, did a few roles while I was at Lyft. And the last role that I had before leaving was the operations analyst role that you mentioned. And um, I had asked my manager once I got in, I was like, hey, you know, this I've been here for some time. Like, could I just take a sabbatical, take these three months off? And he was like, no, like what you're trying to do in engineering is nothing related to what not nothing, but you're not going to be trying to be an operations analyst when you return. I already know. So I'm sorry. We, you know, we're not going to grant you this sabbatical. You actually have to leave. Okay. So talk about that's, that's, that's a big, uh, mental shift. Um, talk about mm -hmm. your, what were you doing mentally when you've just been essentially been told, um, in a way, if you want to scale up, you have to leave. You have to quit your job. Um, how was that challenge? Talk about mentally what was going through your head as you decided to make this decision. Uh, I thought about a lot. Like, um, I fought with the idea to go to boot camp literally for years. Like, I had mentors tell me, no, you shouldn't do that. You're on a good path with finance and operations, you know, go to where you'll be hired. I even had people tell me, you know, 
you're a black woman. They're not going to they're not looking to hire people like you. They're looking to hire people who may have been coding for all their lives. And looking back on it, all of that and all of that advice was coming from people who weren't software engineers, who weren't, you know, in tech, period. And were just speaking from their perspective. The people in tech that I wor- was speaking to were like, yes, you can do it. Um, but, you know, I was. I was thinking like I wasn't sure of how I was going to do it at that time. Um, so and when I thought of, OK, well, I have to leave to get my skills up. Um, it was scary because I had this was before Lyft went public and I knew that my shares would stop vesting. I knew that I would like not be paid for at least three months and, you know, all the time after I graduated. Um, but I still had this passion inside of me and I had looked to people um, that I kind of looked up to who, you know, didn't necessarily follow their passions and were like not excited about their jobs, but, you know, maybe were further down in line in their careers and it would be hard to make a shift. I figured I don't want to, you know, get to that point where I'm like regretting not taking this leap. So considering all that I was leaving behind, it still wasn't as big as, you know, this goal or this dream that I had. And I knew, you know, I've got to go. I want to rehash what you just said. Um, I think something as for engineers, one of the things that a lot of us are definitely interested in is, um, you know, stock opportunity. And so for you to recognize that Lyft is soon going to be public, um, you know, it's definitely going to be um, one of the companies and stuff to, you know, definitely be sought after. Um, So for you to say, you know, whatever financial benefit that has, it's not worth the goal, um, you know, the dream is very admiring. you know, I, I think uh, I think I think it's fair to say a lot of people wouldn't have made the decision. They probably would have at least waited to lift uh, to go public, and you know that could have been like another additional three years. I mean, you know, who knows? Um, and mm-hmm. so I think it's very very um, admiring for for you to do so because that's a that's a big step. And then also too, you just never know what's going to happen. Right. You know, you know the the, the thing could everything could like completely bomb. Um, okay, so. Your your boot camp experience. Um, where uh, where, did you, where, where what boot camp did you go to, and and what uh, what stack was you learning there? I went to Hackbright. Very proud to say, and um, we st- uh, the boot camp taught Python, a little bit of JavaScript, but focused on Python. What are some things that you wish you would have known going into the boot camp that would have helped you get over some of the hurdles that you um, encountered with? Mm. Um, I wish I would have known um, that the focus is not on making the biggest and best demo project. The focus is on learning. I think it's easy to get caught up in competition because especially when it's a demo to uh, companies that, you know, come to the demo night to looking to recruit people. Um, I think it's easy for you to get into this place where you're competing with your cohort mates 
And that's not the goal. The goal is to like learn why things are uh, working the way that they're working in your whatever you've built. So I, I think I would have put more focused on what a resource is, what a service is, what how the Internet works, why things are working the way they are. So during this during your time at the boot camp, um, how many hours would you think you was putting in, um, you know, and learning and um, building projects um, and going through the process? Classes were 10 to five or six. So like a typical work day. Um, and then I'd say I was working on my project or whatever homework they had assigned for about three hours after. So it was it was not too much different from like uh, what my work schedule was at Lyft. So it wasn't anything that I had to um, become used to or had a hard transition in becoming getting used to. Uh, what was hard to get used to was cooking for myself. <laughs> and now everyone's doing it. And I feel like, you know, I, I did this did this through boot camp, so I got my uh, cooking learning there. What what year is this as you're going through the boot camp? Boot camp was uh twenty nineteen, top of twenty nineteen. Okay, okay, so twenty nineteen. Because I was thinking I I couldn't put it in a pitch in my head because I'm like thinking like it'll be even more struggle if this is like pre Uber Eats and like, uh, like <laughs> it's so easy just to yeah. hit that button. Um, yeah. But yeah. But you also have to keep in mind, I was trying to save money too. Cause I was like, I don't know how long I'm going to go without a paycheck. So. Okay. Can't do Uber all the time. <laughs> so, um, so you're, you're, you're in the boot camp. Um, you know, you're learning Python, doing a little bit of JavaScript, building projects. Um, you know, as you're getting to the end of the road, um, <laughs> how did you make your way back to Lyft? You said you went through uh, their process and were you interested in any of the, any of the companies? That's right. So um, I had like timed out when they, not timed out. Yeah, I did. I kind of timed out like, when they were recruiting for this apprenticeship program, because that was like my top. I knew that I wanted to come back to Lyft because I had, you know, already, already built connections there. I knew the business. I figured it would, um, you know, be the best place for me to transition to because I knew that the transition was probably going to be difficult. I was like, well, let me at least pick a place that um, I I know how the business functions and I can just focus on, you know, kind of my work and not worry about making connections and things like that. So I timed out when they were um, they were going to start recruiting. I joined or my boot camp started in uh, January. It ended in March. They started recruiting for this program in April and they interviewed in June. So um yeah. Cool. Um, so mm-hmm. what what was the gap? Hey, give me give me give me the whole gap. Uh give me what if you remember the time you left into the time you came back um to love. Mm-hmm. So in that gap, um 
I, um, I utilize my resources. Um, I think there were about 32 women in my cohort. Hackbright is a, a all female uh, coding bootcamp, by the way. The other 32 women were, we were all looking for jobs at the same time. And um, I was like, let me schedule interviews, like practice interviews with each of them. Schedule that every day. This will keep me productive. Keep me um, trying out th- these different problems. Get me practicing speaking and coding at the same time. And I'm helping out the other. Uh, I'm helping out my classmate at the same time. So I would do those uh, every day. I uh, kind of mapped. I, I think I like put a target of how many companies I would apply to. I uh, tried to make um, like in-person networking events. And, you know, it it sucks that we can't do that right now, but thankfully a a lot of companies have pivoted to have like online networking opportunities. And those are the things that I I took uh, advantage of and did during the break. Awesome. Um, Okay, so wrapping up here and then we're gonna open up a Q and A. Guys, feel free to drop your questions in. There's some people already have questions there. Um, so wrapping up, give the advice to the individual who's listening, um, who is at their day one. Um, they're figuring out what process they can get to, what steps they can take. Uh, there it is, the next steps. You can, you can take pun intended. Uh, the next steps they can take to possibly put them on the track to get to the, to the lifts, you know, to the Ubers, to the Facebooks, to the Googles. Um, so give somebody uh, from your perspective, the next steps that uh, an individual can take. Sure. Um, definitely practice. Um, if not every day, you know, as close to every day as you can, whether that be on the phone, whether that be, you know, doing practice problems, um, um, make connections. There's nothing that rings louder than like a internal referral, someone who can speak to your um, accomplishments. And if you don't have that, you know, go and make that uh, scope out people. Um, you know, thankfully, tech, um, there are a lot of virtual opportunities and virtual things that we can take advantage of. Um, so if you're you know, not great with meeting someone in person, schedule some time over Google Hangouts or Zoom to speak to people. You've got LinkedIn, you've got, you know, even GitHub. I don't think that I've reached out to any engineer and they've told me, you know, no, I don't want to speak to you or no, I'm not going to, you know, share my time. Most people are more than happy to uh, break bread, share coffee uh, and or tell them about themselves or what they do. And yeah, that would be my advice. Um, and, and plan out, you know, if there are companies that you're specifically targeting, targeting or certain opportunities that you're specifically targeting, know when the application process is so that you're prepared and you have yours, your application in first. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to open up for a, a Q and a, um, we got some questions already rolling in here. Um, I see Jay Dice was the first question. Jay, if you can elaborate on that question a little bit, please. Um, and then we'll come back to yours. Um, the first question is from Rod. Uh, Rod's question says, before you went to the boot camp, did you do any self-learning? Mm-hmm. 
I did, uh, but my boot camp didn't require it. And many of my other classmates hadn't done anything else. So um, check specifically with your boot camp what they require. The prep that I did before was the um, me trying to get into Hack Reactor. All of the um, JavaScript prep that I did helped me learn Python a little better. It's it's true what they tell you. You know, once you learn one language, it's generally easier to learn the next. Awesome. Okay. Next question is from Press. Uh, Said, so how prepared did you feel to enter the works the workforce after you left the boot camp? Um, full preparedness or hundred percent preparedness is a farce. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. Like wherever you go, uh, because all of these boot camps don't have the specific code base that whatever company you're going to has. There are certain dev tools, you know, that you're not that you're not gonna get practice with at boot camp that you can't get practice with unless you're, you know, on site. Um, so I. I was nervous and went into it, but, uh, you know, thankfully the program that I had joined um, was ready for that. Um, and that's, that's another piece of advice I will give. Make sure that whatever company you're going to, um, you know, is, is understanding that you'll need, you know, some help as a bootcamp grad or someone who's new in this. Don't go somewhere where they don't have the infrastructure or the people in place to support you. Awesome. Great. Um, next question is from Elena. Elena says, did you study any algorithms and what resources did you use if you did? I used, um, uh, I'm trying, uh, looking right here on my dashboard, Code Wars. Mm -hmm. I really liked Code Wars. I know a lot of people do like leak code or um, any of those, even uh, Advent of Code, all of those are great. I specifically liked Code Wars, just anywhere where you can get some practice coding. Awesome. Uh, excuse me for pronouncing the last name wrong, Mr. Raymond. Uh, next question from Mr. Raymond. Um, so, would you recommend looking and applying for apprenticeships slash internships programs um, or junior associate developer programs for fresh boot camp grads? apply for all of them, any and everything. Um, yeah, period. <laughs> that way. <laughs> okay. Um, next question is from DeAndre, my man. Um, he says, uh, how did the Lyft interview process go? I really enjoyed the Lyft interview process. Um, and much of that credit is to, uh, if not all of that credit is to Anthony Velasquez. You guys can look him up. He's now at um, Lightstep, I believe. And uh, he was the one who introduced the apprenticeship program. Um, he is very anti like um, the typical interview process where you've got this algorithm that you do on this board. The person, you know, may or may not even be fully invested he knew that, you know, when you're working, he tried to uh, model it as close to what working will be like, which is you've got this existing code base. How can you add to it? So he created like a, a mini service and um, there were two front end portions and two front, two back end. 
and you're working with uh, an interviewer engineer and, you know, they're asking you questions. You just have like a prompt of things that you need to add to it. And they were mainly looking for, you know, how do you answer questions? Um, how do you take advice? Um, what your general approach to a problem is not necessarily. Can you figure this out? That's great. Okay. Uh, next question is from Ann. Um, she mentioned, so how long after the boot camp experience did you land um, your job? I uh, got my job in June. I graduated in March, applied uh, in April, um, and um, interviewed in May, and the start date was in June. And much of that was because I had uh, like planned it out. And that's something you definitely want to consider. Um, I know like there are different hot recruiting times, I guess. Let's say if you're grad, you're graduating around the time of Christmas or the holidays, things may, there may be less uh, just because a lot of people are going on vacations. It may be hot, hard to hire and hiring is slowing down. So think of uh, when their hot um, recruiting times. Awesome. Okay. Next question is from, excuse me, from pronouncing this wrong, um, Ayobi. Uh, so, what are the benefits of being in a, um, a boot camp program? Hmm. I'd say the benefits are um, before I got in, even being in a, you know, in a, in a tech environment and getting a lot of advice from everyone, I didn't know what to study or like how long to study it for, or like if I was on the right track, I really appreciate my boot camp for like laying out, you know, these are the things that recruiters are looking for. Here are the resources you can go to. <clears throat> we, um, um, they gave me a starting point from a project and allowed me to work on uh, a project that I could then, you know, take after boot camp and, dive into specific parts that were interesting to me or that uh, re recruiters would be asking for. Awesome. Um, DeAndre, I'm going to come back to your question since you already had one. Um, next question is for Mr. Zico. It says, when applying to software jobs or internships, um, how important is it to have all the requirements they ask for in terms of technical skills? Is there a space to learn on the job? I really like this question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely space um, because although I had Python, I didn't have much else than that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so you definitely want to look for places that um, are 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 excited to teach you. Awesome. I I would also uh, add to that. Um, I did my first coding job I landed and I know a few other people too has landed is basically uh, I had some knowledge, but I think the thing that I portrayed the most is I wanted it more than anybody. You know, and I was, willing, I was willing to, you know, do whatever, um, you know, put in whatever time and stuff. And I think that, um, you know, as far as skill set, that was, you know, way more higher than actual skill set was. It probably still is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One of the things that I was afraid of or 
that I had, you know, people tell me was, oh, they're looking for people who've been coding for forever. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. They're looking for someone good enough. Can you do the job? We don't need you to be a, you know, savant in coding. We just need you to fulfill the requirement. So, Mm -hmm. um, see, like he, I'm going to refer your question. Um, and for he's asking about machine learning. <clears throat> I'm gonna refer your question to we have tomorrow we have X. Um, she's gonna actually talk about machine learning and AI. So I'm gonna refer your question to that talk. Um, next question is from Ivan. Um, he says, What are some of the challenges you face today as a software engineer? And what is your approach to overcoming them? Great question. Um, some of the challenges I face today are getting through documentation or basically taking documentation and coming up with something that's good enough to ship. So most companies are not great at keeping their documentation up to date because it's sort of like cleaning. You've got to cook it's it's not necessarily easy to cook and clean at the same time. A lot of people usually clean after, or, you know, if you're in a big org with a lot of things that you need to ship, you may never even get to that cleaning and you may be on to the next thing that you've got to cook up. So um, I could say that is the hardest, but, you know, my advice for that is just leaning on uh, the the documentation that is there or, getting in touch with people um, that you know, know the answer or can lead you to the answer. One thing that I use is Slack. So we, a lot of people, there are plenty of channels where people ask questions in and each service has its own channel. Search for your question if your organization has something like Slack to try and answer your question first, because the first thing that people are going to ask or kind of expect when you do reach out for help is what steps did you go through already? What did you already try? And, you know, that will get people to want to help you out uh, more. Awesome. Um, We got like a couple more minutes. Um, Next question is from Carl. So can either of you speak to finding good companies uh, with good good junior developer support question. Hmm. I would say, um, like, just search apprentice or search software engineering intern. Speak to the people who actually went through the program and uh, just on LinkedIn for any company that you're interested in. And they can give you, you know, the first person experience of how they got there. Um, what things that, you know, you should learn before getting in, what their experience was like. Um, and that's another connection, another person that can help you along the way, uh, if not today, later down the line. Yeah, I, I want to I want to second that. Um, I I know when I was going through my process, um, I literally start to like, if I was focused on one particular company, I would, I would find like 15, 20 people who work there and I'll message them on LinkedIn. And ask them questions, mm-hmm. um, you know. And if it was like a book and a uh, like an apprenticeship or internship, I would I would find people who's been through the program, same thing, and DM them, ask them questions. Um, and I I think that part I, I know that's not I know that's not um, easy for everyone, um, but it is definitely a, a tool that can be uh, used a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Next question, Carl, I'm gonna come back to your second question. Um, uh, My, can I ask something really quickly too? Yeah, no, go ahead. The, the idea that hopefully people are taking away, um, you know, from this, the response to that last question, the question before, um, that engineering is a lot of communication. Like someone, the, the thought of an engineer, like coding away in their silo, that's old and, you know, out of place. The software engineers today need to be efficient at communicating and, you know, using their time and other people's time, uh, you know, to the best of their ability. So um, speaking to people is going to help you um, be concise and get what you need done. Awesome. Definitely. Okay, we're going to try to get in about two more questions. Um, let me see. Uh, next question is from Toyin. He says, can you share importance of individual communication and other, well, she just did that. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, he says, can you share the uh, importance of individual communication and other soft skills? Mm -hmm. Yeah, super duper important, especially when you're work, you're building a product, you need to be able to speak to the customer that you're uh, building it for, whatever project manager, the people that you need to update in terms of deadlines and things like that. Anytime that you're silent or you're kind of not giving updates, people freak out. And that's never a good thing. <laughs> for sure. Okay. So we are going to, we're going to wrap it up um, here. Ryan, definitely, definitely, definitely appreciate your time. Um, appreciate your journey. Um, you are amazing. And we hope, to, we hope to follow, continue to follow your journey and um, see what else you bring to the world. 